could be simpler. I require the services of one man. Just one man. He should be well-built, powerful, have a knowledge of the topography of the lower reaches of the Thames, and not look in Congress when dressed in a costume like the ancient Vikings. Yes, a Viking, a man of the sea. <laughs> in a way, it'll be perfect. A Viking raider in the 20th century. And I know exactly where I can procure the services of such a man. At 33 Half Moon Street. The Norse Opera. It began when Miles Trenchant, a successful businessman with plans for political power, received a letter from a man signing himself Dane Koenig. Trenchant read the letter in the seclusion of his study and then conveyed the contents to his wife. There was an interesting letter in the post this morning, eh? Well, the one marked strictly confidential. I saw it, Miles. Well, it's not so confidential that I can't tell you about it. It's from a Norwegian called Dane Koenig. Do you know any Norwegians? Oof, none that I can recall. Certainly not this one. He's connected with this stunt the students of Bergen University are putting on next week. Oh, yes. Dawn told me all about it. The students are going to row a replica of an old Viking ship across the North Sea and up the Thames to London. Uh, but did you know that London University students have planned to dress themselves up in skins, uh, paint themselves with blue woad, and contest their journey up the Thames? Now, that really is supposed to be confidential. Oh, Dawn didn't say anything. Not me, at any rate. There are many things a daughter tells only to her mother in confidence. Anyway, what possible interest could you have in a university rag, Miles? Well, to be quite frank, my dear, none whatsoever. In the normal course of events, that is. But uh, now I've received this letter from Mr. Dane Koenig, the position has changed somewhat. Well, don't keep me in suspense, Miles. What does your Mr. Koenig say? That... The make-believe Vikings from Bergen have no knowledge of an impending attack on their longship by a horde of woad-painted ancient Britons. Apparently, all the people in the Scandinavian countries are taking a great interest in this thing, and, and Koenig has organized a nationwide publicity stunt to ensure that certain, a certain treasure is captured by the Vikings and delivered to the court of the King of Denmark. So it's a bit ambitious, isn't it? Oh, but what publicity? story will be worldwide. It rather depends on the treasure, surely. What do these young Norwegians intend to do? Steal the Stone of Schoon? <laughs> what use would that be to a descendant of King Harold? No, dear, he wants to capture a beautiful maiden and spirit her away across the North Sea. You mean a sort of ninth-century beauty contest? In a manner of speaking. So, where do you come into the picture? The girl will be presented at the Danish court. This knocks any other pretty girl gimmick into a cocked hat. Her name will be a household word all over the world for weeks. The only thing is Dane Koenig wants to make sure that there's no slip-up. In other words, the girl who's to be stolen away will know all about it beforehand. In fact, the entire thing will be done with her connivance. So now you know why the letter was marked strictly confidential. And this Dane Koenig wrote to you. Has this by any chance anything to do with Dawn? It has everything to do with Dawn. Do you mean he wants to steal our daughter away? Oh, that's ridiculous. Ridiculous? It's superb. Just at the time when I'm standing in the by-direction. 
I'll get so much publicity out of this, I'll win hands down. Oh, my dear, it's a heaven-sent opportunity. Ever since you started meddling in politics, you've had publicity on the brain, Miles. What about Dawn? Have you thought she might object to being spirited away by a boisterous mob of Norwegian students? They are university students of the highest level of integrity. Why did they pick on Dawn, anyway? She's a student at London University. So are hundreds of other young women. And Dane Koenig tells me in his letter that photographs of all of them were circulated among the students. And they selected Dawn as the number one choice. Just from photographs? Well, they could hardly maintain secrecy if they'd held a beauty parade, could they? Of course, Dawn is a very attractive And girl. we'd go over to Denmark to reclaim her from the king. You've never been to Denmark, have you, my dear? I'll fit you out with a brand new wardrobe and we'll make a bit of a holiday out of it. A holiday, Miles. You'll work yourself to death every minute we're there. If I know anything about you, there'll be more pictures of you in the paper than Dawn. Is there anything you wouldn't do to win a seat in Parliament? No, oh, come on, dear. It'll be a bit of a lark, and Dawn will love it, too. It isn't every girl who gets a chance to meet the King of Denmark. But it isn't every girl who wants to. Anyway, Dawn will be home on the 6.15 this evening. I'll ask her then. We'll ask her together. In that case, you'd better give me that check for the new wardrobe now. You can talk the hind leg of a donkey. I pity the poor opposition when you do get into Parliament. <laughs> Why, Mr. Cannon, it fits you perfectly. One of the best costumes we've ever made. <laughs> you look just like Charlton Heston in one of his epics. Mm, thanks very much. Uh, look in the mirror, sir. Ah. Say, are you sure a Viking always had uh, horns on his helmet? The costume is an authentic replica of a 9th century longboat warrior. Oh, come on. How can a replica be authentic? Charlton Heston? I look like Ferdinand the Bull at a clam bake. Those Vikings never beat their enemies with the sword. They frightened them to death. Mm. Uh, Mr. Kearney didn't say so in so many words, sir, but he intimated that the costume had something to do with the Bergen students and their Viking ship. Uh, do I surmise correctly? Well, if Kearney didn't tell you, why should I? Oh. <laughs> well, you can't be hanged for asking, can you? Play it cool, Buster. I might get a yen to put you to the sword. <laughs> Fortunately, it's only made of wood. In this morning's paper, it said the long ship would enter the mouth of the Thames tonight. Is that so? Yes. Oh, excuse me, Mr. Cannon. Proscenium theatrical costumes? Hello, Koenig, huh? Oh, yes, Mr. Koenig. We've just finished fitting the costumes. It looks quite divine. Is Mr. Cannon there with you? Yes, standing right next to me and looking as fierce as Eric the Red. <laughs> What's the matter? Hello, hello. Uh, hello, Kearney. Yes, is that you, Cannon? Inside this monkey suit, yes. What's the matter with the man in the costume shop? I, uh, I just put him to the sword. Jale. <laughs> I want to speak to you privately. Ask him, will you? Sure. Hey, you. Beat it. This is a private conversation. I can hear perfectly well, thank you, without you telling me. Okay, he's gone. Shoot. Are you all set for tonight? Well, I did like you said, read your instructions three times and then burned the letter. I hope you don't mind all this secrecy, but there's a lot at stake, and I'd hate to have things go wrong at this stage. We've put in so much work, it'll be a tragedy if the press or anyone gets to hear of it. I'll come over to your office and meet you in person when the operation is successfully completed. Well, that'll be great. I'll settle the account then, too. Uh, by the way, you might tell that man in the costume shop that I'll call in and pay for your costume sometime the day after tomorrow. Well, I reckon he'll be amenable to anything I say. Now, if you just quickly run over what you have to do. Okay, I, uh, I go to Miles Trenchant's house, which is on the river at midnight. I meet his daughter at dawn and uh, tell her there's a fjord in her future. She knows all about the Vikings and will come with you quite willingly. Yeah. 
Well, then I uh, bar the family dinghy and uh, row her out into the river where the boat will be waiting to pick her up. I then ditch this fancy dress, uh, row the boat back again and go home, right? Exactly right. Well, there's nothing more for it than to wish you good luck. Nothing to it, Mr. Cunning. Uh, but tell me something. Why do I have to look like, uh, like Hamlet with a hangover? Uh, just to add color, Mr. Cannon. A little local color. Hmm. Yeah, believe me, I'll color plenty if I accidentally meet anybody I know on the way. Oh, uh, good evening, Miss Dawn Trenchant. <laughs> hey, now, the... That's unkind. In fact, it's positively sadistic. Oh, I'm sorry, but you look so comical standing there. You've got your helmet on back to front. <laughs> oh, well, uh, maybe I'm psychic because uh, right at this moment I don't know why I'm coming or going. I suppose I take the helmet off. There. Oh. What's wrong now? Nothing. Everything's perfect now. Won't you come in? Oh, sure, thanks. Yeah. Can I, uh... Hang my hat in the hall. Hang up your helmet, too. This is a peaceful abduction. Uh, which makes my job a sight easier. Oh, I don't know. Now that I've seen you without that ridiculous headgear, I would probably have come with you anyway. In here. I, I don't know your name. Uh, plain Cannon, and uh, thanks for repenting. Oh, I'm not repentant enough. How about a drink? Well, now you've made me your slave. Great idea. Methaglin or mead? <laughs> no, Scotch, I'm only a temporary Viking. <laughs> Oh, that's all right. Prince Valiant comes from the USA. Pardon me if I ruin my repentance, but aren't you a little overage for a university student? Ma'am, the, uh, the only university I ever attended was a heifer branding in Colorado. I was a hired hand then, and that's what I am now. Dane Koenig is my temporary boss, and I work at Assignments Unlimited. In which case, your company is well named. Cheers. Good luck. Hello, Dawn. Ah, is this your escort, I see? Well, if he isn't father, then his clothes are a bit out of date. A plain cannon, this is my father, Miles Trenchant. Oh, glad to know you, Mr. Trenchant. You too, Mr. Cannon. And before you start wondering whether the yank at Oxford is transferred to Bergen, let me explain that Cannon is an employee of Assignments Unlimited, working for Koenig. Well, I've heard of your company. Aubrey Mason's connected with you, isn't he? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Well, I, uh, I, I don't want to hurry you, but uh, that boat is waiting out in the river. Oh, I'm all ready. Bye, Father. Mummy's asleep. I said goodbye to her an hour ago. Look after her, Mr. Cannon. I will. I uh, just have to row her out to the boat, that's all. Oh, as you go out, Dawn, look under my overcoat in the hall. I put your costume there. See that you wear it when you get to Denmark. It should photograph well. Costume, Father? It's what you might call a, a going-away present. After all, the ancient Britons did dress up in animal skins, didn't they? It's a full-length mutation mink coat. Father! It must have cost a fortune. Oh, a couple of thousand. But then a trenchant at the court of Denmark must look the part. That's my father, Cannon. Anything for publicity. Now, Dawn. I'm only kidding. Bye-bye, Father. Oh, far. Uh, goodbye, Mr. Cannon. Perhaps we'll meet again one day. Who knows? Maybe we will. Cannon. Cannon. This is Miles Trenchant. Uh, who? A trenchant. You remember... You took my daughter out into the river the night before last. Oh. The Viking. Oh, sure, sure. Oh, sorry, Mr. Trenton. What can I do for you? You must come and see me at once. You, uh, you sound worried about something. I am. It's my daughter. Well, what about her? She's gone, Mr. Cannon. She's disappeared. 
Hannon, sensing the urgency in Miles Trenchant's voice, dropped everything and drove out once again to the house by the river. He was met by Mrs. Trenchant. You must be Mr. Cannon. Yes, ma'am, I'm Cannon. Uh, Mr. Trenchant phoned for me to come over right away. Yes, I know, but now he doesn't want to see you. Oh, but uh, he sounded worried and said something about Dawn disappearing. Yes, she has, and I don't want you to go. I want you to stay and try to talk to him. Will you stay? Oh, sure I will, but uh, what's all this about? Uh, do you mind if we sit down? <laughs> now, look, uh, supposing you tell me, Mrs. Trenson. Yes, I will. Firstly, there's no such man as Dane Koenig. Uh, there's what? At least nobody of that name connected in any way with that Viking ship in the river. There never was any publicity stunt for one of our girls to meet the King of Denmark. In fact, Dane Koenig, or whatever his true name is, made it all up. Uh, what for? My daughter Dawn wasn't taken away by students at all. In short, Mr. Cannon, she's been kidnapped. Oh, kidnapped? Huh? Have you, uh, have you called the police? My husband forbids it. Oh. So, that's why he telephoned me. No, he knew only that it was a hoax of some sort when he telephoned you. Well, I'll go and see him right now. He was quite adamant that I should send you away, Mr. Cannon. Well, how come he changed his mind? The postman arrived just a few minutes ago. Among the mail was a ransom note. My husband says it's his intention to pay the money they ask. But that's crazy. <laughs> Doesn't he know that if he pays ransom money, they'll, they'll never leave him alone? It's, it's like blackmail. Only worse. They have my daughter. I'm trying so hard to be brave, Mr. Cannon, but, but Dawn is my only child. I know we spoiled her, but it never made her selfish or inconsiderate. She's full of spirit and quite unafraid of life. I'm just worried in case she... Well, she always speaks her mind, and she might say something to them, and they might do her an injury. Yeah, well, I'm going to talk to Mr. Trench. But he told me not to say anything. Well, don't you see i got to talk to him? Well, it's the publicity. Publicity hogwash. It's your daughter we have to think about. Now, don't you worry, Mrs. Trench, and you sit here quietly under this tree. I see more than a fair share of the seamy side of life, and I'll get your daughter back safe and sound. You stay right where you are. Do you, uh, do you have a maid in there? Uh, yes. Well, I'll get her to make you some tea. Just you leave everything to me, huh? Who's that? Cannon. I left strict instructions. I know. All right. Sit down, Mr. Trenson. You and me are going to have a little talk. Uh, did my wife tell you? I forbade her, but I can see it on your face. It was kind of you to come, Cannon, but I know what must be done, and you can't help. Correction. You don't know what must be done, and whether you like it or not, I'm going to help. You'll kindly leave this house at once. Okay, I'll do that. Where's the nearest police station? You wouldn't go to the... You just try me. They sent a ransom note. They say that if I go to the police, I'll never see her again, alive. Well, that's what they always say, was it not? There were instructions that I should destroy it once I knew the contents thoroughly. And uh, did you destroy it? Uh, it's, it's there on the table. Hmm. Ten grand. And you were prepared to pay over ten thousand pounds just like that? She's my daughter. You wouldn't understand. Look, I don't need a string of progeny to know that you're behaving like a fool. You just listen to me on account of that Palooka Koenig make a monkey out of me, too. Has it occurred to you that uh, if you hadn't met me the night before last, and if Dawn hadn't told you I worked for Assignments Unlimited, you would never have been able to trace me again? Then I got news for you. I got my instructions from Koenig in a letter, and I was told to destroy them in the interests of secrecy. 
What a sweet setup. You destroyed your evidence? No, because that's what it is, evidence. Ah. The guy didn't pay his bill yet. In fact, he didn't pay anybody's bill. He bought this off with the expense of three postage stamps and one phone call. And what's more, he didn't even have to stick his neck out. But a chance remark, just a chance remark by your daughter has blown the whole thing open. You knew how to get hold of me. Blown open, Cannon? That's what I said, and that's what I meant. I suppose you know that I'm standing for Parliament shortly. Oh, but I bet this guy, uh, Dane Koenig, did. That's what he banked on. That you'd do anything to avoid adverse publicity. If this gets around, uh, people are going to feel sorry for you, sure, but at the same time, they're going to laugh their heads off. The smooth, mild, trenchant made a monkey out of by a cheap palooka in the snatch, right? Please, the cannon. <laughs> I mean, it's true, isn't it? Yes. Yes, it's true. I've been successful in business. I never thought I could ever put a foot wrong. Yeah, well, uh, we had a guy once over in the States called Benjamin Franklin. Uh, oh, maybe you heard of him. He, uh, he said that uh, he that falls in love with himself will have no rivals. Well, what's it you want me to do? Nothing. Nothing? Except maybe go out there in the garden and comfort your wife. It's the mothers who get the tough breaks. You just leave everything to me, Mr. Trenchant. I'll get your daughter back, and I'll get that Koenig, and when I do, I'll punch his face so that he'll look like he dived headfirst into a cement mixer. This geezer must be pretty sure of himself, Kevin. Oh, he is, Murray, he is. Now keep your voice down and keep your eyes peeled, huh? Hey, was that real money you put in the trench and stingy? Yep, real money and one pound nuts. Like you said, couldn't be sure of himself. He might even tell you why to count it. I wonder he didn't decide to knock on the front door and collect it. He might just as well. Mm, Ransom not said he was to attend the party rally tonight with his wife. Trenchant is not at home. Well, my guess is Koenig knows an awful lot about the guy he's playing for a supper. Now, you watch the road approach, and I'll watch the road. Do you think he might come from the road? Well, why not? That's the way I came. My guess is if he comes by road, he'll be on the bus. Because this creep is short of funders. And that's another reason why we've got to follow him. He might have left somebody to guard the girl, but I doubt it. In the snatch racket, there's uh, security and aloneness. And I doubt if he's got the cash to pay in a compass to... Hey, wait. Hold it. Hold it. It looks like the road. Now, button up, Murray. Shut up. Now, do we let him go? Look, I picked you, Murray, because you can swim like a fish. So can you. Well, it might need the both of us. Okay, peel it close off. You'll never hear us swimming against the splash of his oars. I'm ready. What do you think he's heading for? Somewhere on the other bank of the river. Okay, come on, let's swim. Nothing could be simpler. You must have been very uncomfortable sitting here for all this time. My apologies, Miss Trenchant. But I'm sure you'll realize and understand my dilemma. I had to truss you up like a turkey so that you couldn't run away. 
and gag you so that you couldn't call out. People do come along here, you know, and if you'd been able to shout, they would certainly have found you. Did you know it took me six weeks of painstaking labor to hollow out this little cave? I laid my plans very carefully, didn't I? For all your father knows, you might be a thousand miles away, and yet here you are, almost opposite your own home on the river. I have the money. It's all here, so I'll release you. People do come along here, but never at night, so there's no point in your calling out now. Right now, sit up so that I can cut your bonds. <coughs> That's it. Now the gag. There. Oh, how do you feel, Miss Trenchant? You're an inhuman beast. No, Miss Trenchant, you're quite wrong. It's the opposite. I'm only too human. That's why I wanted the money. Your father has so much wealth, and I, alas, have nothing. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Had nothing. In that parcel there, ten thousand pounds, a fortune. But to Miles Trenchant, it's a mere flea bite. I knew he'd pay. He's so conceited. Now you can go, Miss Trenchant, and enjoy your sudden notoriety in your home. In your home, remember, because your father won't hear a word of this little escapade breathed to anyone. If it leaks out, his chances of ever getting to Parliament will be absolutely nil. And nobody knows who I am. Nobody. That's the really clever part. In fact, in this entire operation, you're the only one who's set eyes on me. I know you. You work in Father's factory. I went there one day to deliver an urgent package that was sent to the house by mistake. It was my first visit, and I got lost in the packing shed. I know you. You work in Father's factory. I went there one day to deliver an urgent package that was sent to the house by mistake. It was my first visit, and I got lost in the packing shed. You were one of the invoice clerks. You spoke to me, directed me. You have a remarkable memory, Miss Trenchant. That was all of three years ago. So I'm right. Unfortunately for you, you are right. What are you doing? What does anyone usually do when they point a pistol at someone? I'm going to kill you. Thank you for being so frank with me. That's murder. Yes, murder. Not tonight, Koenig. What? Look out, Cannon! <coughs> Doing, baby. You got him in the small of the bank. Is he dead? No, not yet, anyway. I'll pull it out. Say, haven't I seen something like this before? Yes. It's your helmet, the one you brought to the house. Oh, no. It was part of your costume, don't you remember? When you put me in the boat, you left it behind. He dumped it beside me here when he tied me up. Oh, well, then I've got to make a serious apology. Apology? There's no need. You just saved my life. No, 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 not to you, to the guy in the costume shop. I took the wrong weapon. The one I was supposed to have was made of wood. This is the real thing. Well, I'm sure he won't mind. You see, I thought it was made of wood, and I uh, pricked him with it in a, a very tender spot. <laughs> and now you know why Miles Trenchant withdrew his nomination for Parliament.